Welcome. You're on Table Talk. RJ, what'd you think of our guest today? I thought that was a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to have some. Guys, well, guys, definitely ballsy going to going to uh, Compton in a MAGA hat. So. Yeah. I think we're going to have some blowback on all of this gun talk. Yeah. We're going to offend some people today. Well, I enjoy that. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, today we had... D.C. Drano. Yes, the Instagram conservative page uh, who is known for basically making the left look like fools. Um, Which isn't hard to do. Uh, RJ's line is not hard to do. I love everybody. So whether you're left, right, center, I love you. RJ doesn't. No, I hate everyone equally. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but yeah, guys, uh, D.C. Drano, uh, his first name Rogan, really cool guy. Um, very passionate about his second amendment, uh, like most of us are, you're either passionately love it or you passionately hate it. So we're all passionate about it. So, or you don't even know what it is. That's true. Yeah. The right to bear claws. Mm -hmm. But anyways, uh, I hope you guys enjoy this. Please subscribe, like, leave a comment, let us know. Um, what you guys think. If there's anybody out there who wants to be a guest on our show, uh, we're not a conservative podcast. If you're on the left and you want to come on, we'd love to have you. So, yeah, enjoy the show. Well, now I'm hungry. I got to go get a bear claw. <laughs> Hello. Hello, this is uh, DC Drano. DC Drano, how's it going, man? I'm good. How are you? Uh, doing well. Thank you uh, very much for taking the time out of your uh, day to do this. Uh, really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, so it's me. Uh, my name is Caleb. I got my uh, co-host uh, RJ on here. Hey, how's it going? Okay. Yeah. Uh, good. Nice to, nice to meet you guys. My, my real name is Rogan, but you can call me Drano. It's fine. And do you have to uh, use your alias so you don't get uh, mobbed? No, I, well, I mean, it started out as that because things are a lot crazier back when I started the account, but, and I also had a uh, separate career uh, and wanted to keep this stuff on the DL, but now I don't really care. I, I mean, I just use it because it's, it's just kind of branding, you know, it's, it's just how people know, you know, my name has no inherent value, but DC Drano, you know, people know that. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, when I first I first saw you and then I kind of put the pieces together just the other day was on YouTube. Uh, I saw you with Fleckus Talks, but I also saw a video of you uh, walking through Hollywood and Compton wearing your MAGA hat. Yes. <laughs> ballsy, man. Yeah. How, how did that go? Like, did you what? I mean, I would assume you got harassed. Are, are, are we on the podcast now or? Oh, well, it's uh, it's it's recording. Um, we can edit anything out, anything that needs to be edited. Oh no, 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 it's fine. I just didn't know if you wanted to save it for the podcast. Yeah, no, I'm happy to happy to talk about it. Um, so, um, yeah, so so I lived in Los Angeles, and you know, was a Trump supporter since uh, August of 2015. So back when he was one of 17, and you know, once he won the presidency, I was like, okay, this is the president of the United States. I should not feel ashamed or, you know, silenced in my support 
of the president. And so what I did was say, you know what, screw this. I'm tired of seeing videos of people walking, you know, you know, Trump supporters being beaten up at Trump rallies and stuff by leftist mobs. And I said, you know, I want to go out and make a stand and say, listen, you know, this is the president of the United States and we should be allowed in a free country to, to support them publicly. And so uh, I had my brother film me and I walked up and down Hollywood Boulevard, which was kind of the epicenter in L.A. for, you know, the anti-Trump discontent. Uh, and just to, you know, see if anything happened, but also if something did happen, kind of prove the point that, listen, you know, this is a major issue. And so uh, thankfully nothing substantive happened on the Hollywood run or walk. Um, and then a couple months later, yeah, I did it, did it through Compton. Uh, that was a much briefer walk. Uh, I was absolutely scared out of my mind, but, um, you know, the point of that was to, for my speech at the end of the video, which talked a lot about how I believe Trump's policies are going to help black communities, you know, poor black communities that have been screwed over by Democrats for decades. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I was surprised. Um, cause like, uh, in the Compton video and then even in the Hollywood one too, you could see you know, the people looking at you and, uh, and you could tell that they probably want to do something, but it probably, if one person would have acted, then you probably would have had the whole mob mentality coming after you. But luckily, luckily you weren't put into any harm's way, but Compton, man, that's, that's something else. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I would do that wearing any type of shirt, but, um, yeah, it was the first and last time I've ever been in Compton, <laughs> but you know, uh, I was kind of hoping the video would go viral based, you know, on the title and what was going on. You know, a little bit clickbaity, to be honest. It, um, but, but it also proves that um, I believe in that message that much. That I was willing mm -hmm. to, you know, frankly, risk my life and, you know, bring attention to some of these communities that, again, have been screwed over by Democrat policies. They've been voting Democrat for the last five, six decades, and it's gotten them nothing but more welfare, crime, imprisonment, and broken families. And so, you know, I, I believe Trump is a once-in-a-generation president that uh, is enacting policies that will help these communities. And I was proven right. We have the lowest Black and Hispanic unemployment ever recorded in U.S. history. Mm. So, you know, I, I, I was right. Um, and it's only going to keep getting better. So we'll get back to all that. But first, I just kind of wanted to get get go into some of your background. So you went to the University of Chicago Law School, correct? Yes, I went to Northeastern University in Boston for my undergrad, double major, double bachelor degree in political science and criminal justice. I was also president of the Student Government Association there. That was kind of my first taste of politics uh and then yeah I, I graduated from the university of chicago law school in 2011 and then i practiced corporate law uh specializing in film finance you know in the hollywood kind of entertainment sector for many years yeah what what made you want to get into law um uh, you know i've always kind of had this sense of kind of law and order and wanting to uphold the law. And I was 
kind of deciding between being a police officer, you know, or in the military or being a lawyer. And, uh, you know, when I was in college, I kind of made the decision to go the law, you know, practicing law route. Uh, I felt it was the best way to enact policy change to save lives. It's, you know, not necessarily to arrest one bad guy here and there, but to, to work on policies that reduce the numbers of bad guys by, you know, a much greater amount. Yeah. Awesome. And how, uh, how, cause I've, I've heard rumors and seen, you know, in some of the shows and movies about how rigorous law school is, was it, is it pretty rigorous? It's extremely rigorous. Yeah. What's it? It's three. Uh, is that three years? Correct. Three, three years. Yes. And I would say the school I went to was, you know, rigorous on steroids. Um, it's, Law school is very challenging. It, it's just a lot of work, and you're graded on a scale against your peers. So you get these fancy schools, and they accept people, you know, with all 3.8 GPAs and high LSAT scores. And then they're like, "Okay, you're all here. Congratulations. Pat on the back." Now you all get to compete against each other because we're only going to give out 10 A's, 15 A minuses, 30 B pluses. Literally, that's kind of how they all do it. And then you get one test per class the final uh and that's your entire grade and it's blind blindly graded so you can't you know suck up to the professor or anything it's you're just a number and they give you a grade and yeah some people have to get d's uh you have to and yeah so it's, it's extremely competitive and very stressful especially since i was uh going through it during the recession so i knew i was coming out with a couple hundred grand in student loans and so, yeah, I mean, compete against some of the smartest people. So I really had to make sure I get a job because not everyone I graduated with got a job. Yeah. Jeez. That's, that's a lot of debt to not have a job to fall yeah. back on. Uh, yes. RJ wanted to know what it was like living in Chicago. If, I mean, cause we know the gun stats there and the gun violence was. Did you have to crawl around through the city to avoid the flying bullets? <laughs> no, I mean, Chicago. So there's, there's two Chicago's, right? Uh, uh, kind of like any, you know, leftist environment. You've got the area where all the rich people play, and then you got the area where, uh, you know, the, the, the poor people have to suffer through. Uh, you know, Chicago's completely run by Democrats, has been for, for decades and decades. And, yeah, if you're in the main area of Chicago where all the tourism and the skyscrapers are, it's very safe. It's beautiful. It's one of my favorite cities in the country. Uh, but if you go into, you know, Chicago land which is kind of, the, you know, the outer boroughs, that's where it's really, that's where it's literally a war zone. Uh, I only uh, got, was out there once and I took the wrong subway at like four in the morning and was actually scared for my life until I found a cab, but it was, it was really bad. It was yeah. really bad. Yeah. So uh, that's how I came across your YouTube video um, was I, I, sometimes I get bored and I'll YouTube like, Detroit in the middle of the night or Compton at night or Chicago yeah. at night. And, and that's how I came across your video. You're, you're entertained by other people suffering. I, it's not that I, it's not the suffering I like. It's just like, oh. holy <laughs> crap. Like, I mean, they like gas stations, they buzz you in like, a couple yeah. at a time. And it's just, it's a whole oh, yeah. different world. Well, no, it's, it's good to have an awareness of what's going on in our country. You know, uh, mm. you know, you've got these leftist loudmouths that, uh, say Trump says mean things and, you know, they, the, the fake news, they like to distract you with, 
uh, you know, oh, look what's going on at the border. Uh, look what's going on in our inner cities. How about you focus on the dozens of people being shot every weekend in your gun control zones, you know, like in Chicago, and actually try and save these people's lives. They they come around for black votes every four years, and they leave them to, you know, leave them worse off. It, it, it's it's just really, uh, really sad state of affairs, and it's something that I genuinely care about. I want to help my fellow Americans, especially the ones that are suffering the most. And people in these broken down cities, they're the ones suffering the most. And all these cities are run by Democrats. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you heard, but the reason Chicago is so bad, this is what David Hogg told me, was that because of Indiana's loose gun policies. And so they come to Chicago, and that's why Chicago is so bad. Oh, what would we do uh, without David Hogg? <laughs> that that was sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but it's, it's but that, that, that just kind of reinforces the point that gun-free zones will never exist because there's something like, a hundred million guns in the United States. You think you're going to be able to collect all of them? We can't even get rid of all the illegal immigrants, and there's about 20, 30 million of them, a lot less than guns. So, and there's no constitutional right to own a, to be an illegal immigrant. There is one to be, to have a gun. So, uh, yeah, it just goes to show that you, you simply cannot uh, have a gun free. It, it just doesn't exist. And all that does is allow the criminals to have a greater leverage against their victims. Well, and no, no, you know, if somebody's determined to break the law, more laws aren't going to deter them from that. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, it, it, it's you know we've got we've got millions and millions of NRA members. None of them are committing mass shootings, but they are stopping them sometimes, as we saw in Sutherland, Texas. We got the AR-15 of yeah. all guns. Yeah. So for to the average average American, if if you know you you hear a lot of talk like we you know everyone wants you uh, universal background checks and to the average person that sounds good but what are the drawbacks with that um well to my knowledge they already run background checks on every firearm purchase every gun i've purchased i've had to get a background check uh so i'm not really sure what else what else they want um um, you know, the, the system is kind of already in place. Yeah. yeah. When, when I bought my first gun, I went with a buddy of mine who he got, he wasn't able to get his that same day because they had to follow up on an incident when he got, he got beat up at a, like a college party. Uh -huh. So his name was just thrown in, you know, like the system because he was just in an altercation and that prevented, he had to wait like two weeks before he could get his gun. They had to do additional background check. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it it depends on the jurisdiction that you're in. California is, you know, one of the worst. That's where I moved out of, because honestly, the gun laws were were killing me. Every time I went to vote, it was a, there was multiple new taxes and new gun laws, and it just slowly chiseling away. You know, a lot of them uh, were going after the AR-15. And oh, they're like, oh, the you know the the San Bernardino shooting. Okay, well that shooting was done by immigrants that you know, to my knowledge, were part of the uh, the visa lottery. So why should American citizens be be punished for again crappy democratic policies, letting in people without you know running through their backgrounds that extensively? And you know these guys are extremists. So why take away guns from Taxpaying, law-abiding Americans because of the actions of someone that 
probably shouldn't have been in this country. Yeah. And with a lot of these mass shootings, there's always a, a ton of warning signs leading up to it that, that a lot of times yeah. get ignored, you know, in that case, yeah. especially there was a lot of warning signs and, and people were afraid yeah. to say anything because they didn't yeah. want to be labeled as racist. Yeah. And, and even when the signs are extremely clear, even when they literally say, I'm going to be a school shooter, like the Parkland shooter, uh, you know, 37 house calls for domestic disturbances by the police, two reports to the FBI, including, like I said, explicit language, I'm going to be a shooter. And they never did anything. So uh, you can add all the laws in the world, but guess what? If they aren't enforced yeah, or, exactly. or enforced intelligently, you know, that bad stuff happens. But that listen, this is unfortunately the price we pay for a free society. Yeah, we could have cops at every corner with guns and, you know, night vision and, you know, finger scans at every block, but that's just not a world we want to live in. And the price of uh, liberty is, you know, giving up some of your security. Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. And to a lot of the, a lot of the background checks, you know, a lot of the criminals, you know, let's say in Chicago where there's so much gun violence, it's not like, you know, where they're buying their guns illegally, they're going through background checks to, you know, to, so even if, even if, with the background checks we have, it's not like the criminals who are doing most of these, most of the gun violence is coming from is going to prevent that because they're, yeah. just, they're just doing it on the black market. Anytime someone opens fire against the innocent, what do you do? You, you call the police, right? You call for help. The police are nothing more than a good guy with a gun. Yeah. And probably a lot more training than the average individual. But there's a lot of people out there that have a lot more training than police when it comes to shooting. So why, why, why not just cut out that delay, that middle step of waiting six to 10 minutes for police to come with guns when you can have a gun yourself and fire back. And, you know, a lot of these mass shooters, they, they pick these soft targets, these gun-free zones, because they know, because they're generally cowards. They're generally losers and cowards. And any type of actual confrontation they shoot themselves or they surrender. Mm -hmm. So they're, 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 they're losers and uh, they're, they're scared. And so if you have someone firing bullets back, you're going to save a lot of lives. As we've seen numerous, numerous times when you got a mass shooter comes in, someone else with a gun, good guy, puts them down. Nobody dies except the bad guy. It happens all the time. It's just, you know, fake news doesn't want to report it. Yeah. There's only so many shootings. There's only a type of shooting they want to, they, that they want to cover. Oh, they, they love school shootings. You know, they, I'm not saying they love uh, dead kids, but they love using those situations to push their, you know, anti-gun agenda. And the American people are sick of it. It's really disgusting. They, they don't care about gun violence. All the gun violence in Chicago, all those kids being killed. Oh, they don't care. But, you know, you get, you get some, uh, you know, schools and, you know, well-to-do areas and, suddenly they're they're all about saving the kids but it's such a hypocritical scam i can't stand those people yeah now i get a lot of people because uh, i don't have an ar-15 i'm not against getting one uh, rj has one um I, eventually i would like to get one there's a couple you know i want to get a bow there's a bunch of different weapons i want to get uh, but a lot of people ask me why do you want why do you need an ar-15 and w what's your response to when people say well why do you need you know a military style weapon uh, well, the AR-15 looks like a military weapon, but it behaves very differently. It behaves yeah. the same way as a handgun. It's just more accurate. 
uh, at longer distance. No one in their right mind would use an AR-15 in an actual war. Um, that would put them at a severe disadvantage. So that's that. A, B, I don't need permission to exercise my rights. I have freedom of speech. I have freedom of religion. I have the right to bear arms. I don't need anyone's consent. I don't need to let them know. I have that constitutional right. It was given to me by God and it's protected by the Constitution and the genius of our founding fathers. So, um, you know, I, I think there should be less restrictions on gun rights. Uh, absolutely. I, I, a 10 round magazine. Uh, limit is unconstitutional in my opinion. And, uh, you know, we'll see if this stuff gets up to the Supreme Court, but uh, I, I don't need to ask someone to exercise my rights. Okay. I get that. But, and I, I agree with you full heartedly, but I do, I do want to add some pushback um, to that as, you know, there are weapons that, you know, fully automatic weapons we're not allowed to have. Are do you, do, does that fall unconstitutional in your eyes as well? Uh, I think in certain circ certain circumstances, yes, it does. Um, fully automatic weapons are, you know, the, the point of the Second Amendment is to defend free people against a tyrannical government. And at the time when it was written, each side had muskets and cannons, to be honest, but uh, those were kind of equivalent weapons. Now, the United States military and law enforcement has automatic weapons. So why should citizens not have automatic weapons uh, to, to, to act as a check against that tyrannical government? As, as we've seen in the last five years, things can change very quickly. And you've got some very uh, violence, thirsty, uh, you know, political operatives, people holding up severed heads, people calling for violence, people calling for you know, the rape of, of the president's child. I mean, people can lose their minds. And uh, if they're in power and they suddenly want to, you know, declare people enemies of the state or whatever, I mean, that's, that's, civil, that's civil conflict. So, you know, in theory, uh, you know, people should have as many gun, gun rights as possible. The Second Amendment says shall not be infringed. So uh, kind, kind of tough to infringe with a straight face and tell me you're following the words there yeah i mean i'm no lawyer but i i always thought that shall not be infringed was about as clear as you could get you know yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's pretty 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 straightforward I, I i didn't really leave a lot of room for interpretation on that one uh and yet you know things are infringed now you obviously have to weigh that against the the cost of of life with people shooting up uh you know innocent people um but that that's a debate that i think the country needs to have yeah okay uh kind of switching gears back to uh, there's a couple things i wanted to and uh, we went on a little rant but uh, going back to when you're in hollywood so w when you switch to the law or excuse me you focused on a uh, film finance what what exactly does that mean right so uh my first three years practicing i specialized in corporate finance focusing on middle market private equity uh, leveraged acquisition credit facilities. Say that five times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ba basically, private equity firms buying up companies 
and paying for it similar to like a house. You put 20% down, the rest you get in credit from the bank. So that's kind of how it works. And then the company itself pays off the, the loan. Um, then, um, uh, then I switched over into film finance for my last three years of practice. And that was uh, sometimes similar to what I was doing in corporate finance, where you'd have these credit facilities for major studios. Um, so they, you know, maybe have like 200 million in working capital, kind of like a company credit card, but for company expenses, you know, they pay payroll, they pay utility fees and stuff like that. Uh, very big companies. And then they're collateral, collateralized with their assets, which in that case was movies. But film finance, the other side of it was um, investing in independent films. So most of the major studios like Disney, Fox, uh, you know, Sony, they have ma massive in-house legal departments. So they kind of handle all that stuff. But I worked for a law firm and we were hired, uh, you know, to, to provide legal advice on independent film finance. So uh, so, you know, like the movie Lone Survivor. So my firm worked on that. I didn't specifically a little bit, but not at its genesis. And, uh, you know, say the movie costs, let's just say 15 million. Someone in some company or person is investing that 15 million. And there's a lot of contracts involved. And the, the debt, the collateral on a film is in its distribution agreements, foreign pre-sales, it's all very technical, but long story short, there'd be about 50 or 60 contracts that need to be figured out for some, for any independent film to be, you know, greenlit. Um, and then hopefully they make their money back. Okay. I mean, that kind of makes sense <laughs> a little bit, but did you, uh, so what was the like most memorable movie that you worked on? Uh, I worked on a Martin Scorsese movie called Silence. Uh, I worked on another movie called Zeroville, which had Jonah Hill, Seth Rogen, Will Ferrell, Megan Fox, James Franco, Dave Franco. That was pretty cool. Um, and I mean, I worked on probably like 30 movies. Let me think of some of the bigger ones you might have seen. I have a list somewhere, but... Uh, I don't know. Basically, when I would be looking at Apple TV, not all of them, you know, do that well. In fact, a lot of them did pretty poorly. Um, oh, I worked on um, Sicario 2, Blade Runner, okay, the yeah, the remake. That was six months of my life. <laughs> uh, I worked on Point Break. Okay, I know that one. Yeah, these are Alcon movies. I did a lot of work for Alcon Entertainment. They're the company that did The Blind Side and Transcendence, Dolphin Tail. So hmm. I, I I was working on honestly ten to fifteen movies at any given time. Okay. Well in at various stages. Yeah. And then so when you were you said because uh, I read during your story that kind of during the election campaign, have you have you always been a Republican? Pretty much since sophomore year of college, I was apolitical before that, didn't really get into it, didn't really care. Okay. And then once I got to college, even though it was a fairly liberal university and I was raised in a 
liberal home in a liberal area, I quickly realized that I was definitely a Republican. Yeah. And uh, so during the election campaign, uh, you said you started to grow tired of what you were seeing, uh, kind of the beginning of the outrage and uh, snowflake cultural uh, culture. Uh, what exactly were you seeing while, while you're living in Hollywood? I saw pictures right side or right outside your office. There's a bunch of protesters blocking traffic. Uh-huh. Yeah. How fast did everything kind of grow? And uh, what was the final straw that made you decide it was time to get out of there? Oof. That's a, that's a big one. Um, <laughs> so it's not necessarily the demonstrations in LA, which don't get me wrong, there were a bunch uh, after he got elected, but they're mostly filled with absolute idiots. And that's one of the best things about Fleckus's videos is it shows you who shows up to these things, and they are literally just just drones. They 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 know three or four catchphrases. They repeat them in unison with everyone else. They're almost like hypnotized by their own stupidity. And you ask them one or two questions to get past any surface level accusation, and they don't have an answer for you. They're like, Trump's a racist. You're like, how? And they're like, well, he just is. Yeah. Okay. The only thing they know for sure is Orange Man Bad. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's so NPC, Orange Man Bad. So, So that was always going on. But also just in my... Sector, right so you see my profile picture it's me wearing a shirt that says hollywood sucks and it it, it really does and it's it's really kind of lost a lot of its influence and significance in the last two years thankfully but before you got to remember you know these people are get up on these award shows and pointing the finger at middle america saying you're mistreating women and you're mistreating uh minorities and it's they're actually you know, or, you know, you, you shouldn't want a border wall and you should be green. And then they're flying private jets. They live in mansions with giant walls around them. Uh, you know, they're completely turning a blind eye to all the sexual exploitation of women in their industry. I mean, no other industry in the, in the country would be allowed to uh, have this much sexual exploitation and get away with it. It's just because they're all the big money donors of Democrats. And thankfully, we've seen, you know, the rise of the Me Too movement and, you know, the downfall of people like Harvey Weinstein and, you know, Matt Lauer and a bunch of other executives, you know, studio people. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I dated uh, an actress. Uh, I had friends in the industry and the horror stories they would tell me of just these shady ass people in the industry that basically say, you know, if you do this, wink, wink, I'll get you that role. Or if you, you know, and it's, and it's pervasive. It's, it's everywhere. And it, there are girls that were legitimately raped uh, by big names. And it, it's, a, it's just a disgusting, immoral industry that prides itself on being progressive when they're actually just a cesspool of immorality uh, uh, and hypocrisy. So that that to me was something that really irritated me. I've always loved movies. You know, you look at what is presented in a movie theater and it's, it's magical. But when you look at the behind the curtain of this stuff, it's, it's really disgusting. And, um, you know, so, so also just in that sector, you can't, you can't be right leaning. I mean, it is, you have to be pretty much a full blown socialist. Otherwise you're an outcast. And, so I just knew it was only a matter of time until people uh, found out, you know, that I was posting, 
uh, pro-Trump stuff, that I support the president, that I love the Constitution, that I love our constitutional rights, and that to them is is blasphemy. Uh, it's almost leftism is a religion to them in a, in a sense, and uh, so I knew my career advancement would be stunted by, you know, being revealed as a closet conservative. So I kind of just made a decision to go full board into this and and to leave. Uh, you know, in my opinion, a really failing state. It's it's almost as it's almost socialism at this point. I was only taking on a little more than half my money, and you know, terrible roads. They don't speak English in schools. The forests are burning. There's droughts. They got illegals flooding in everywhere. It's like, what the hell am I living here for? Oh, the weather's great. Cool. Not worth it. Yeah, yeah. Oregon's becoming pretty close to California 2.0 without yeah. the weather. Um, yeah, I saw that you guys are. Uh, going to be having cops that don't even have guns now. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Portland. Oh, yeah, yeah. Portland State University. I think they're disarming the campus police. Oh. Well, you guys have Antifa. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. That, that's, those guys are terrorists by definition. Yeah, it's they getting pretty scary up to here. achieve political means. And yeah. it's it's disgusting. And and they're, they're, you know, the fake news covers for them. They spin it. Uh, you know, they're fighting fascists. No, no, they are the fascists. They look like they're dressing up to rob a bank mm-hmm. and they have pepper spray and sticks and they gang up. On, I mean, it's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah. The, the police stand down, the mayor stands down, they just let him run it. And then you get the, uh, the Patriot Patriot prayer group, which is, uh, you know, just kind of like a right wing group. Um, but you know, that I don't, I don't know anything about him, so I could be misspeaking but they are labeled as like alt-right, you know, but everyone's labeled as alt-right. So yeah, I don't think they are. Yeah. Anyone that challenges the, the, the liberal religion, again, I call it a religion because that's how they act. Uh, you know, there is no room for debate. You must say, you must parrot the talking points. Otherwise you are far right fascists. Yeah. You'll be excommunicated. Yeah. And then they get, it gets violent and it's, and that's why I told Fleckus, I was like, dude, like, it'd be awesome for you to come and film in Portland, but it's actually legitimately scary. You're a big name now. People probably know who you are and you'll probably get attacked. And you, that's something you actually have to, you have to worry about because the police aren't going to do anything about it. Uh, correct. Yes. No, it's, it's very dangerous. I've had opportunities to film there and I've just ruled it out. I'm like, you know what? I'm not getting involved because the police won't even be there to keep order. Yeah. yeah, it's um, it's it's stupid. It's really annoying. Um, but uh, moving forward, because I can I can we can go on all day about Portland and how dumb <laughs> it is. But yeah. So what what exactly does like being DC Drano entail? Is it just uh, political memes and then speaking engagements? Like as you said, you know you you had a lot of student loan debt coming out of college, and you know I can only imagine you know you we're probably making pretty good money down in California and to leave that all behind. Uh, so what's life like now? Like, what do you, what do you do for your income? How does it work? Yeah. I mean, the good news is I paid off my student loans. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. I took about three and a half years. I paid off about 240,000 total. Uh, so I lived very frugally to, to pay those off. Um, because I wanted to one day give myself the opportunity to, you know, pursue what I truly wanted to do. And if that was to continue being a lawyer, then I would do that. But if it wasn't, then I would have the flexibility to do that. So, 
um, you know, I bought a house, I had, you know, investments. I, I, I was in for a long time um, doing, you know, the corporate grind. But now uh, my life is, yeah, I mean, this is my full-time job. I work on my account seven days a week, uh, you know, on a given day, at least 10 hours. Um, but it doesn't feel like work. It's just, it's just what I love to do. Uh, I see myself as a bit of a, you know, an educator on the constitution. I took a lot of constitutional law classes and just, you know, teaching people what your rights are and, and how to defend them and how to beat a lot of these, you know, socialist arguments. Cause they frankly want to see the constitution destroyed in a lot of ways. They don't like freedom of speech. They think it's hate speech. They don't like guns. They don't think anyone should have them. They don't like due process. They think you should believe all women. So we need to, you know, reinforce the principles that make this country a free country. Um, So yeah, so I do that, you know, as much as I can. And along the way, yeah, I mean, I'm starting to get invited to speak at places and go to conferences and, you know, be sponsored for certain things. So, uh, you know, I'm just kind of making it up as I go along, but I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to, uh, make a living off of it. Awesome. And then when you, uh, paid off your student loans, did you, uh, is that like a Dave Ramsey thing? Did you do like a debt snowball and just plow through it? Or was it just, you just threw everything you could at it? I just threw everything I could at it. I just really wanted to be debt free for the first time in my life and having that much debt over you um is very risky you know most lawyers so only about three to five percent of law school graduates get you know what's called big law which is you know they're starting you at 160 dollars salary right out of law school um and for a lot of people have never even had a job before uh not me i had but and, you know, there's some big bonuses, but they, they, they own you. You're 2,000 billable hours, you know, holidays, vacations, goodbye. You're no way. You're in the office till 9, 10 at night. It's, it's a very brutal lifestyle. Most people only make it kind of like the NFL. In a, in a way, most people are only there on average three years. So, and most lawyers take a huge pay cut after that. So I knew regardless of whatever I wanted to do, I wasn't going to be making this type of money. So I might as well pay off my debt and, you know, make myself financially secure so that I would have, you know, again, the flexibility to maybe take a lower paying job, like be, you know, a prosecutor and make 70 grand a year, but put bad guys in jail. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to keep my options available. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. My wife and I, we, we finally, we paid off all our debt. Congrats. Uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was nowhere near, you know, 240. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but it was, uh, it was great getting rid of that last student loan payment. It's just like, it's amazing how much debt our society gets into. And, yep. and then, you know, they complain, you know, because, you know, they can't afford to live or anything when they have, you know, $100 cell phone payments and car payments, student loan payments, credit card. And so that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's that was actually one of my questions I really wanted to get get on you was the steps you took to financially prepare. And uh, the one. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's no. I was just saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I read one quote that you had on there that 
uh, it said your, uh, your worst mistake was living a life focused on money and personal accomplishments instead of purpose, mm-hmm. deep happiness, and a loving family. Mm-hmm. What, what is DC Drano's purpose now? Uh, to do, to, to do this, to, to defend the constitution, to speak up for people who have been overlooked, uh, by the, the DC swamp elite to, um, restore American greatness. I mean, it's, it's everything it means to just be a, a, a good American, you know, where, we're a deeply divided country right now, and you know Democrats have gotten gone so far left. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's pretty scary. They want socialized health care. They want universal income. They want—I mean, these are all uh, failed economic systems uh, that have been—you know—socialism has been responsible for over a hundred million uh, deaths in the last. Uh, century alone, socialism and communism, which are, you know, very close cousins of each other. So um, it's a truly tyrannical style of government. Uh, you know, they put a they put some fancy packaging on it, but it is truly awful. And as we're seeing in Venezuela, when you're starting to, you know, eat the family dog to survive, uh, you know, maybe you're doing it wrong. And this was a system that Bernie Sanders was, and Michael... Michael Moore were touting as, you know, this is how socialism can succeed, but it doesn't. Socialism works for the first few years because you you cannibalize, you know, the the fruits of your capitalist system, but eventually you start running out of money because nobody likes to work hard and be taxed so that other people cannot work and get free stuff. It just mm-hmm. human nature defies it. So I see myself as being a voice to help save the United States of America and educate uh, you know, people that are uh, learning about how the world works and, and teach them, you know, in my opinion, the right way of how to, how to run a, a strong, free country. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's, that's well said. Uh, I just got a couple things left and then I was going to wrap it up with a game where RJ hasn't won yet. So we're hoping to <laughs> keep, keep that going. <laughs> I'm going to break out of the okay. slump sometime. Yeah. Uh, so my, uh, my wife and I, we see eye to eye on a lot of things politically. Um, she's a very strong woman. She's a, she's actually a firefighter here in uh, our area. Oh, uh, awesome. Yeah, but a lot of the things where, where we kind of butt heads is um, on the Me Too movement. And I tried to explain to her that, you know, not not everything uh, or that I, that I am a feminist and that to the point where uh, it's hard to explain where, where she doesn't you know, where she had mixed feelings on like Brett Kavanaugh, where she's getting pulled emotionally, you know, cause she's a female and she sees, you know, the kind of, you know, the kind of crap that women have to put up with, uh, you know, being sexually, you know, harassed, assaulted. And, you know, and she says, you'll never know what it's like as, as a female to have to constantly be worried about, you know, walking down the wrong part of town and, you know, getting raped. That's as, you know, males, that's not really a fear we have. So with your close female friends, where do you, how do you tote that line where it's like, no, I'm a, I'm a feminist. I want, I support women. I want equal rights for everyone. Uh, and so how, how do you go about that? Cause I'm trying to avoid a lot of fights here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say point, point to a law where women don't have the same rights as men. And uh, I'll agree with you that, you know, you don't have equal rights because I, I think it's a BS narrative. Uh, they have to make up 
uh, victim mentality in order to push this fem this divisive feminist uh, 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 ideology. Right now, women and men have equal rights. And I think if you talk with a lot of uh, women, especially women on the right, they'll say that what Dr. Ford did set women back because it was exposed as being pretty much a lie. Um, and, and a lot of the other women that came forward, they're now being criminally investigated for, for lying about sexual assault. So, you know, the overarching most important element of this entire process is the element of is the constitutional right to due process. You don't believe someone based on their genitalia. You believe someone based on the evidence. And we do not convict innocent people, especially in a hyper-political partisan environment. That's what you do in leftist banana republics, mm -hmm. okay? So uh, as much as I sympathize with, you know, don't get me wrong, I, I am well aware uh, that they are constantly, you know, nervous about being sexually assaulted. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine what it's like to, uh, you know, be a female in you know, a rough part of town or, you know, alone and there's bad guys around, but uh, you're doing no justice to actual victims by, by lying about sexual assault. And, um, you know, I would love to have seen what was in that FBI investigation. They wouldn't make it public, but I guarantee it shows a lot of, uh, you know, uh, gaps in her story, which, if you're going to go out in front of the national media to crucify a man and to drag his name through the mud so wrongly as she and her Democrat supporters did, uh, you better be telling the truth. And it doesn't look like she was telling the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's based on the evidence we saw. Um, so as much as, Again, I support, you know, true victims of sexual assault, and I understand that it's a very difficult thing to have prosecuted. There are plenty of instances of false accusations as well, mm -hmm. and our system of law protects the innocent as it should, innocent until proven guilty for everyone, all sides. Um, you know, Neil deGrasse just got accused of, you know, by three women, and he's a pretty outspoken Trump hater and, you know, liberal, but guess what? He's entitled to due process. These women, if they're going to make accusations, they better bring evidence. Um, that's just the nature. If we're going to deprive someone of liberty, there has to be proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah, it seems like we're, we're almost at like a, we're at this point where you either it you don't have anybody in the middle where it's like if you're if you're if you say well no i don't i don't believe on women because there are circumstances where they lie then you don't support you know victims or if it's like you're either on one side or the other and what i try to tell my wife and to other people is like well no no if if i'm gonna call a, a balls and strikes if if someone is a disgusting person then yeah we're gonna call that out but if if i don't see the case like with brett kavanaugh then i'm not i'm not going to I'm not going to say he's he's guilty just because somebody else is saying that this is true. And and that's where I like to see more people come on board is saying, hey, you know, this does happen and this does happen. So why don't we just look at each case as its own instead of making these broad statements and just labeling all men pigs or all women liars. Correct. 
uh, it's their justice. There is no justice when the innocent are convicted. And you just, yeah, I want all the bad guys to go to jail too, but we got to make sure we don't put good guys in jail and it happens and it's, and it's wrong and it's horrible. And that's just, you know, or sometimes some bad guys are going to get away because we want to protect innocent people that much. But mm-hmm. that's in the end, that's the best system. All right. Last question before we get to our game. Uh, we know you're a big Trump supporter, uh, but I like to try and challenge people. What, what is one thing that you wish Trump would have done differently? Not ban bump stocks. <laughs> Not ban bump stocks. <laughs> easy enough easy answer it's like you knew what was coming <laughs> yeah uh I, I don't own a bump stock i don't know anyone that does but again shall not be infringed and that to me is a further infringement on second amendment rights especially i think it's an overreaction um there's a lot of vague details about las vegas shooting that we still don't have a lot of answers for what the hell this guy's motivation was uh, you know, now we learn that his wife was maybe an FBI informant, um, that there was prostitutes in the room. I mean, there's a lot of questions that are unanswered. And but for some reason, we're making national legislation on bump stocks when, um, you know. And you don't even need, one, a, need a, a bump stock to you can bump fire without it. Yeah, it's not, I mean, but it, so, yeah, it's I'm, a piece I'm of plastic not, with I'm a spring in it. I'm not for further infringement on second amendment rights at all. All right. Fair enough. All right. So, uh, since you worked in kind of the film industry, uh, our game today is, uh, so you think, you know, America movies cause RJ thinks uh, he knows everything about movies. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know where you got that idea. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so what it is, I'm going to read a clue and then there'll be a question that, uh, that you have to answer and Rogan, you'll go first. All right. Welcome to your first edition of, so you think, you know, America movies where RJ thinks he knows every single thing there is to know about movies. I, I don't know where you got that idea. I've never claimed that before it's, in my life. It's all you ever talk about. Is it? Yes. I don't remember talking about that. Yeah. You think, you know, everything. Well, I know a lot of things, but I, I wouldn't go so far as to say everything. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, let's get started. Our first contestant, we have DC Drano. That was nice, everyone. Thank you. All right, and give it up for your co-host, RJ Howard. Did did you pay those people to come in here and do that? (laughs) Where did these people come from? All right, our first clue... uh, as students at this United States Naval Elite Fighter Weapons School to compete compete to be the best in class, one daring young pilot learns a few things from a civilian instructor that are not taught in the classroom. Which top star, or excuse me, which top actor played Maverick in this hit movie Top Gun? Tom Cruise. Correct. All right, RJ, your turn. Mark Wahlberg played this Navy SEAL hero as him and his team went on a mission of surveillance to take out a Taliban leader named Ahmad Saha. Ooh, RJ, you don't know? <laughs> you're, you're talking about... Um, the lone survivor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Marcus Luttrell. Ah, oh, dang, RJ got it. I'm surprised. Good job. All right, Rogan. <laughs> All right. Um, 
Will Smith welcomes you to Earth in this movie as as in the beginning of July, humans received a strange signal and has and this has turned into a global phenomenon. A massive spaceship heads towards Earth and smaller spaceships begin to cover entire cities around the world. Name that movie. Independence Day. You are correct. Wait, aren't we already on Earth? Yeah, shut How up. How do you reckon? Shut up, RJ. To her. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, RJ, uh, in that same movie, Independence Day, Will Smith was busy saving the planet with Jeff Goldblum. Which actress played Will Smith's wife in that movie? Um... Uh, isn't that Rick Fox's wife? Uh, no clue. Sorry. Uh, Vivica A. Fox. Right. Jeez. He got that right. I honestly <laughs> went out of my way to look one up that he wouldn't get, and he got it right. Uh, that's a great one. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rogan. <laughs> I, <laughs> God dang it, RJ. You suck. <laughs> How many movies did Stallone lace up the gloves and box it in the hit series Rocky? And this doesn't include Creed. It's just how many Rocky movies were there? Ooh, I want to say five. RJ, you want to try and counter? Six. Ooh, RJ steals a point. Ah. <sighs> I always go one more. That's my my thing. Okay. RJ, uh, Jim Lavelle played as Tom Hanks led Apollo 13 on a dangerous mission to the moon while leaving this family his family behind on Earth, which included his son, Jeffrey Lavelle, played by this young actor. I don't know, but it was Jim Lovell. Oh, Lovell, whatever. What's the actor's name? You lost a point for being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all right, Rogan, do you want to try and steal it? What, what? Can you repeat it? Sorry. Uh, the actor who played Tom Hanks's son in Apollo 13. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. All right. It was, his name is Miko Hughes. I, oh, I, I, well, yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't know Miko Hughes? <laughs> All right, Rogan. This is the last one. If Rogan, if you get this one, you will win. Okay. All right. Tom Hanks, a.k.a. Captain Miller, in Saving Private Ryan was a blank before the war. A running bet between his crew. Uh, teacher. Yes, that is correct. And you <laughs> win, and RJ sucks. Oh. <laughs> no, he did great. He did great. I, honestly, I can't believe he got that... Uh, <laughs> Will Smith wife <laughs> movie that like you're gonna, I, have, you're gonna have to try harder to make me lose next time. Yeah, I went out of my way to find a question that I figured would be no way he would. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to do this with us. That this was awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you for uh, having me on, and just let me know when it goes live, and I'll let people know. All right, thanks, man. Have a good one. All right, you too. Yeah. Bye bye. Well, that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, guy's ballsy walking yeah. around Compton with <laughs> yeah. freaking MAGA hat on. Yeah, I want to make sure. How lame would that be if it didn't record? Definitely. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Table Talk. As always, we will be back when we are here. RJ, any final thoughts? That was that was very specific. <laughs> yes, on the timing. It was. All right.